House, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm. Welcome to episode 225 of Million Dollar Agent. How good for an opening, guys? Well, I was gonna, I was actually gonna comment when you actually said there was something, Tom Banner. It was almost like you were doing a game show. I actually like it. Tom Banner. It's Tom Banner. No, I like it. Keep it up. I, I like. It. Hey. Well, you're, you're in New Zealand. Tell us more. Yeah. So, so while whilst I'm thinking about it in Dunedin today, one of the guys comes up to me and he says, um, um, "I listen to." The, he goes, "I listen to the podcast that you guys uh, have been doing. It's a great idea. I think it's one of the best innovations I've seen this year." And I said to him, "Mate." I said we've been doing it more. I said we've been doing it more than this year. He goes, oh, fair enough. He goes, I'm look into it further. He goes, I've only listened to a few episodes, but he did make a really valid point, and he says, I love it. I love it when you guys uh, talk about things that are, you know, that influence New Zealand as well. He goes, I know that you don't um, talk about. Uh, we're not expected to hear what core logic predictions are or what the market's doing. But um, I love it when you talk about things that have got to do that affect agents in all areas because um, I can't relate to um, the content that is heavily based on auctions. And it, you know, it made me think: Do we spend a lot of time? I don't. I don't think so, Troy. Do you think we spend? Do you think that we are Sydney Metro centric, or do you think we're not? Mate, I was just thinking about. I'm thinking on the run now as we're talking about it. Yeah, no, Tom, I think we actually, a lot of what we talk about affects agents around the world. We all have friends that are in the UK and we work with them throughout the year and they seem to have very similar challenges uh, to what we do. You've spent a lot of time in New Zealand as well recently uh, and through over the course of the last couple of years and the challenges remain the same. So I think what we face in this market, uh, whether that be Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, uh, actually is applicable around the world. Shout out to the UK friends, our friends in the UK. They're good, good people, um, and we love our Kiwis. We get a lot come to Eric, don't we? Each yeah. Year? And we love our listeners in in New Zealand. New Zealand, I reckon, punches so far above its population weight in everything. I mean, the football's the obvious one. Entrepreneurship, real estate. Got some of the best real estate brands on the planet. I, I think the putting aside auction because not every single community in the world does auction, of course, but Generally speaking, Tom, I think the issues that an agent in Sydney, it's the same as San Francisco and London and uh, Christchurch, it's about how do I stand out in the market, how do I win listings, how do I deal with fee cutters, how do I deal with other agents that don't tell vendors the truth around price, how do I manage expectations. I, I think you know, the top eight or the top ten issues and focus areas are the same globally and, and auctions a little bit of a nuance because in Australia and some parts of New Zealand, of course, too, New Zealand's in fact probably got the best auctioneers in the world. <laughs> yeah. They punch above their weight. Well, exactly. Not their weight, but their population. Population, in, yeah. In, in, in auctioneers as well. I mean, some of those Kiwis, they're red hot auctioneers. Um, yeah, no, I think it's all. And, and therefore, and I think that's, that's part of our design is that we, we look to focus on topics and even answer questions that are relevant to everyone. So what is our question today? Because hey, so the question, I'm going to start to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> one today is going to be, so what's happening in the city? <laughs> yeah. 
Sorry, Tom. So let me give let me give you the summary of the question and the summary of the question and the persons want to remain uh, anonymous. So the question is, um, I do telephone call sessions where I pretty much block off my diary and do nothing else and get on the phones with the view of making appointments and going to see people off my database or past contact information that the office has had over the previous years. But I find that my intentions is to try and make an appointment with everyone, but the intention of a client is not necessarily the same. How do I actually do nurture marketing on the telephone without coming across that I just want to get into their house? So it's this, I think, I think guys, it's a, it's a, it's a good question because it's how do you stay relevant? How do you have a good stay in touch strategy? How do you actually add value to people on the phone without coming across with, Hey, I really just want to sort of get in there. Yeah. Good, good question. Um, I mean, the, the question, and I'm not, not critical of the questioner, but there, there was a hint of commission breath around that. You know, like every phone call, trying to make an appointment. My my view is this, Tommy. I think that um, I like to value add, and I play the long game. So I look at it and I think whether I get paid or not for this conversation, meeting, whatever I'm doing right now is is not that relevant. What I want to do is be remarkable. That is, be someone that they remember and give value. And I kind of have, I've figured out personally and I've observed so many people as you and Troy have, when you take the focus off you and your outcomes and what you're trying to achieve and you actually put all the emphasis on the person you're with and what is the value for them, how can you help them, what, what are they going through right now, it doesn't matter whether a buyer or a seller or a 10-year client or someone you met today, I think that's where all the magic starts to happen because people sense authenticity and selflessness when you're not actually trying to snag a deal and see if they'll help you make your budget for the month um there you know that you are actually there to help them so i i think that's where you become all powerful is when you actually don't chase now that that doesn't mean you can't ask for the business or you can't say look would you like me to you know pop around and give you a health check on your on your home loan or your valuation or whatever but I think if you just if you take it back and say if I can help ten people a day in the world of real estate make better decisions about buying and selling or even investing and in, or even renting doesn't matter it's applicable to whoever you're dealing with that's where I think you start really building a powerful army of raving fans and we often talk about if you've got a hundred raving fans it's game over if you've got a hundred people in your community that would crawl over broken glass to help you because you did such a nice job helping them and you've always been so generous with your time and your spirit and your advice. So you know, I just give people everything. At a listing, I know, Troy, there's a lot of agents and I hear this. I look, I don't, until I've got the listing, I'm not going to tell them all the good things that I think they should do. And I think that's scarcity mentality. I, my view is when I'm there at the listing, I will tell them from the heart what I think is the best advice and the best strategies and any tactics and how I'd present it well well before I'm asking for a signature. I think that, that kind of signifies confidence and generosity. Whereas if I kind of keep everything back and wait and see if you sign up with me, then I give you the secret herbs and spices. 
I think that's the scarcity bit. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, it has to start with value, Tom. And I know that we speak about this a lot and we have uh, over many episodes of this uh, podcast and all the training that we do. Um, it have, you have to go with that position that I'm not just going to tell them information to get the transaction. I'm actually going to give them some valuable insights. And if they choose to use me as their agent of choice or whether they go and choose someone else, I can still leave the conversation knowing that I've given them my real honest opinion of that insight that John was talking about and value to the con- like to, to actually get their property sold, to help them realise their property dreams. Let me put you both on the spot. Pretend I'm in your CRM system and that you are both real estate agents that had come out to see my property a year ago and at the time it was really obvious that I wasn't putting my home on the market. Let's assume it's in Liverpool Street, Paddington, um, and that uh, I wanted to, you know, just basically get an idea. And my intentions were that I'd probably be putting on the market when my daughter's finished year 12 um, and I was going to leave the area. Now, let's assume that's approaching and year 12 is, you know, November this year. So there's a good chance that um, um, my plan was 2020 at some point to go on the market. Can I just ask you, John, we'll start off with you, then Troy. What what's the conversations sound like with me as you stay in touch with me during that process, or or do you or do you stay in touch with me? Do you call me or do you send stuff? What what's the communications sound like? Yeah, so it needs to be relevant and sufficiently frequent, but not overly frequent. Because if you're sending me stuff weekly, it feels like spam. Mm. If you send me something once a year, like a Christmas card, it feels like some system, and and I'm uh, one of the many, many thousands of people, but I'm not very special. So I think I think it needs to be relevant to me. And the days of spray and pray of just sending everyone the same generic newsletter for me are gone. I think now with customization and with a bit of thought and a little bit of leveraging technology, you can send far more focus. So the first thing I would do is I would add relevant value. Second thing, you know, you talked before, Tommy, about, you know, if I was part of the CRM strategy, I think... You're right, that's the way a lot of agents think and talk, but I think we need to think and talk about if if we have a relationship and I've met you and I and you've asked me some for advice, so I'm going to keep in touch with you on a cycle that works for you more than me. So I'd say, you know, Tom, um, six, just checking in, you know, it's been six months since we spoke and I understand the HSC's upcoming. Just wonder how the family is, how everyone's going. Um, I just want to see, is it still on track for you? Would it be useful if I gave you a call come November after the HSC? Um, and in the meantime, just want to check you've been getting the information regarding sales relevant to you that I've been forwarding you. So I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm trying to stay, well, I'm not trying to, I'm staying in touch, but we all know that it's very easy to feel overwhelmed with too much communication. And it's also very easy to smell communication, which is generic and not specific. Mm. So I think it's it's the language has to be soft, um, the t- the frequency uh, and the rhythm at which I communicate with you has to work for you. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, th- I think you've just got to give people value and what they want, but but not over the top. Do you agree, Troy? Yeah, I, I think it comes down to you know that fine line between hassle and hustle. And I think if you are focused on delivering value and asking their permission and what they expect from you, how often and frequently they would like to be kept up to date, that's a great place to start. 
But I agree with John, and maybe I'm biased because I was taught by him, uh, but I think, you know, the way the world is going right now, if you're sending out a monthly newsletter to your entire database that all has the same information, then you're on the wrong track. You need to be able to be specific and know your clients well enough to know what they are looking for because they will read it if the value of the content is relevant to them. Uh, if you're just doing like a modern day letterbox drop in their inbox, people aren't going to read that. Yeah, I, I think one could argue it's better to send a monthly generic than nothing in some instances, but I agree with you that that really, and, and you know, Josh Cheslin that, you, that you've interviewed, Tom, and we've directed people to that interview, which is uh, for your gym members, I think anyway, you interviewed yeah. a great interview. Um, and, and he talks about, you know, customising through communication, social media and texting yeah. something really relevant to you. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, I, I look, I like where the call is coming from again because they're eager to stay in touch. They're eager to build their business. But I'd say if I was coaching them one-on-one, um, back off on the commission breath, play the long game, focus on content and information and frequency that's really works for the customer Detach yourself from the outcome, whether they list with you or not, is actually not the most important thing. Whether they trust and respect you, ironically, is more important than if they list with you. Because if they list, I've had many people didn't list with me and then ended up being great referrers mm. because they were underwhelmed by the agent they went with, someone that might have perhaps, you know, told them a story about price or something, and you know they they remembered that you know perhaps what I said and the advice I gave was the right advice in hindsight, and then they've ended up becoming a great part of my referral network so i just think you've got to really take take the high road um or the high ground and um you know really play that long game what do you think of text what do you think of text messaging um to certain clients as a as a stay in touch strategy brilliant brilliant i think nowadays because so many people get overwhelmed with uh, with email and, um, you know, it's very easy and I, I, I certainly do it. You know, you've come back, you've got 150 emails. You try and quickly find the ones that are most relevant that you really do have to respond to and, and often the others get left or deleted or they end up in a spam junk mail somewhere. So I think text um, messaging is, is good because it goes to your phone and for most people their phone's never more than a metre away from them, 24-7 sometimes. Mm. Um, and I think it's a more personal so I, I do think, you know, at the end of the day, combination of phone, text, social media, email, even written word, face-to-face, of course, you, you really do want to mix it up a bit. Um, but I know, in fact, going back to Josh Teslin, when I caught up with him, Tommy, he said that he, he really doesn't do email anymore. It's all about text, phone call, and social media. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, so it's, it's, all, it's all interesting stuff. But, you know, hopefully for our... It's where, it's where the eyeballs are. Like it's actually where people are looking. You can't just think that, you know, the people. The reason why people some in in some areas are moving away from letterboxes is because that's not what people are looking at anymore. They're online and they've got their phone with them twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, not more than a meter away from them. As John said, you've got to play your game. You can win. People are there. Go there, guys. Yeah. As we finish off this, I, I wanted to ask as we finish off this uh, uh, podcast because I know that Troy's doing an auction um, this evening. You're, you're doing an auction in Bondi, are you, Troy? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm mindful that you're going to rush off. Can I just quickly get your view off off market sales? When I use the term, it's off market. Does that what John? Does that mean to you? It's a property that doesn't hit the online portals, and no signboard goes up, and it only goes to a database, or is it 
what do you define as, you know, an off-market transaction? We'll sell it offline. Yeah, I, re- I reckon the industry kind of has a few different labels. I would say that off-market is a property which is not being actively marketed through any traditional media streams. Yeah. Some people I know have said off-market means it's not on the big portals, it's not in the newspaper, it may be on their website um, and they might push it through their database. So I think there's different variations, but I think everyone agrees that off-market means it's not on the big portals and it's not in the newsprint and it doesn't have a signboard out front. So let's call it on the down low. Is that the, is that the latest <laughs> The term, down right? low, there you go. We'll use that one. <laughs> I'll go with that. That sounds good, doesn't it, Tom? It's on the down low. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the, that's the name of this week's podcast, Troy. We can, you know. <laughs> it's on the download. <laughs> All right, guys. Listen, it's great chatting to you. I look forward to seeing you next week where we do a podcast 226. Footy f- fever is on. Everyone's in the chance. Souths have got a chance. Roosters have got a chance. And the Tigers are still in with a slim chance. Yeah, go the Tigers. I love that. Travel safely, Tommy. And uh, hate all our listeners and audience. And uh, yeah, we'll speak with you in a few days' time. Yeah, thank you so much. Bye, guys. See you guys. See you.